This podcast is produced by Arts Council England. For more content like this, visit artscouncil.org.uk or soundcloud.com forward slash Arts Council England. Before I introduce our panel, I mean, Ed Vasey was talking there about embracing technology, and I'm very sorry because a lot of tweets are coming in to say that there's a Wi-Fi problem in here, which isn't actually a very good start. Uh, so uh, we'll try and make sure we can get that uh, fixed. But now I want to ask our panel to come on so that we can have a conversation uh, with the minister before he leaves at 11 o'clock. First of all, uh, please welcome David Edgar, who is a stellar playwright, as you all know. He founded Britain's first postgraduate playwriting course in Birmingham more than 20 years ago. And he's the president of the Writers Guild. David Edgar. Now, uh, John Z. D., the artistic director of Breaking Convention and John Z. D. Projects, he created hip-hop theatre all over the world and is working in many hard-to-reach communities. John Z. D. Sally Lei, who is the director of the Chinese Arts Centre and champion of contemporary Asian art in the United Kingdom. Sally. And finally, a woman who's having a bit of a quiet year, a bit of a sabbatical Ruth McKenzie's having, uh, director of the Cultural Olympiad, masses of theatre experience, formerly an expert advisor to DCMS. Please welcome Ruth McKenzie. Um, now, we've got roving microphones. We want to bring the lights up, uh, and we've got nearly half an hour of conversation. Uh, but very, just first off, uh, Ed Vasey, um, you said that there was more that you wanted to do do you feel frustrated? Uh, well, is that a philosophical question? Uh, well, it's Valentine's Day. It could be any kind of question you want. <laughs> well, I, uh, I, lo- I love the art, so uh, I obviously want, um, uh, you know, if I had my way, everything would be uh, about the arts, but mm. uh, government has a, a much wider canvas to spread. I find government frustrating, only I think the structure of government mm. is designed to uh, hinder what I see as my main goal, which is collaboration. It's very hard to work between departments, and that's why, Mm. although I picked it up as an achievement, and it was perhaps a bit uh, egomaniacal to say the National Music Plan was an achievement. Part of the reason I think it was an achievement was because the Department for Education and DCMS uh, worked so well uh, together. That that is interesting, because you were saying that uh, Education DCMS is working. You are also talking about David Willits and... But I wonder, um, because everybody knows that you uh, are a champion of the arts, do you have a struggle? I know you're not a cabinet, but is there a struggle within government when things are so difficult to no, give art the arts I don't arts think there is, because I think that the Chancellor cares very passionately about the arts. I mean, every time uh, I get a call from the Treasurer, I obviously think they're going to massively increase our funding, but it's normally because... <laughs> George wants to go and see something or oh, do something. Free do, some, do free something. tickets for the chance. Do something involved in the arts. Uh, and I think the, you know, the fact that he's given this tax break for inheritance tax mm-hmm. and the acceptance in lieu scheme, I think, uh, shows that he recognises uh, that he will help where he can. And I think, you know, although a lot of people disagree with us, I think we got a good funding settlement uh, from the Treasury. So we fought our battles just as much as any other department had to fight uh, mm-hmm. their battles within the context... Uh, in which we were operating. So I think there is uh, enthusiasm and passion for the arts across government. Uh, The trick is to find uh, policies and so on that require collaboration and then to make sure uh, that you can work on them and make them happen. I think that's worked 
certainly with uh, music and culture education uh, with the Department for Education. There may be other areas uh, which uh, it's perhaps be more problematic to get uh, cooperation across government, but I continue to plug away. Um, David, um, I was talking about you know, art for art's sake, that there was no further justification needed. Is that music to your ears? Uh, <clears throat> yes, to a certain extent, but I think, I think we, we, we live in times of, 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 of choices, and I think, I think there's a danger in, you know, Arts Council speak and, and, and to say, you know, like the excellence and access. Mm. Actually, there are contradictions between excellence and access. I think uh, in, in the Arts Council's goals, um, uh, arising out of great art for everybody, um, you know, you can communicate on digital platforms, you can tour. And in limited times, those are actual choices that can be made. And, and I read Ed's uh, uh, National Theatre speech on digital technology with great interest. I think it's a, it's a very pugnacious mm. argument. Uh, I do think that um, the digital platforms are great as a marketing tool. I'm slightly more suspicious, although there's lots about NT Live, which is very exciting, but I'm slightly more suspicious of them as actually a, a, a means of, you know, maybe that actually the performing arts should be about not being digital, about not being on electronic platforms, about being live and about being here. So I think there are real choices, and I think we've learnt over the 70 years of the Arts Council, that, that, that institutions make a difference. Yes, and, and that we need to be... Cons artists need to be concerned about institutions uh, because actually it's the institutions that get their art to the world. Yes, we, we keep talking about binary this morning, Johnsy, the idea that you, know, you could be performing on digital or live performance. I mean, where, where can you work with so many different uh, media now? Is live performance for you the way to engage people first off? Um, I think that whatever way there is to our, at our disposal we should use because I think that the, the digital world for the youth at the moment is the best way of sharing your work. The amount of um, young people that I know that have given me videos of their dance performance that I would never have seen via their phone I think is amazing. And um, as a marketing tool I think it's excellent because then I want to go and see their show. And, and the Arts Council presumably embraces all those kind of the videos that come to people like John's. The Arts Council embraces all this, does it? Well, David's quite right. There are choices to be made. The money's finite and there is a choice. But here we are, the threshold. Well, actually, we're well past the threshold, but we're still, you know, grumbling about at the entrance to an extraordinary new world of digital technology. And it is absolutely incumbent on us to experiment with it, to join in it at, and, and see where it takes us. It may turn out that you're quite right, that actually in terms of creativity, it is less productive than we hope. But we have to have a go, and that's the attitude at the moment. Uh, can I have the lights up so I can take questions, please? Um, Sally, just coming back to the, the, the fundamentals of this conference, is where the artist sits in, in the spectrum of society. And you have a particular expertise, but do you think... Uh, that the Arts Council embraces the variety that's in front of them? Or do you think because choices have to be made, difficult choices aren't being made? I mean, I think that um, things that, like, for example, the initiative for the British Council um, and the Arts Council that Liz has mentioned about international working is really crucial. But I think that there's some things that are really still barriers to that. Um, you know, yes, there's digital technology, but there's also something about artists working with other artists. And visas are a major issue at the moment. Um, Manic Govinda and the um, Manifesto Club have been doing great work um, 
to try and facilitate that and try and lobby for greater you know, exchange, artistic exchange. And that's still really, really important. Um, and I think that, you know, yes, it's great to have funding schemes, mm-hmm. and, but actually we need um, our minister mm-hmm. um, to lobby to make that change possible and to influence. Ed Vizzi. Well, I mean, I've been on the phone. I've been on the phone to Heathrow Immigration on a Saturday morning to get an artist into the country. So That's what we I, want to I hear. Uh, firsthand, uh, what it's like. But there are rules to be followed, mm. and I think, without which to pass the buck, I think Liz will possibly know more about it in terms of detail. I mean, the last government, I think, set up a good scheme, which was mm. to uh, have a dedicated uh, board to look at a dedicated group to look at the visa issues for artists. And I think there's somebody from the UK Borders Agency now sits in the Arts Council's offices and works with you. So that makes some progress, but I do agree, it's, it's terribly frustrating. But there are visa issues across the world now, uh, and you know, we have a tough policy on visas, and I get it as a constituency MP with uh, uh, you know, straightforward cases, as it were, of families wanting to be uh, together, and I get it as a minister in terms of artists coming to the country. Um, Ruth, um, just on the point of uh, the Cultural Olympiad, I mean, you know, everybody's been talking about what an extraordinary uh, flowering uh, of cultural endeavour there's going to be this year but there's a real issue isn't there that it's seen as what is the long term that actually the cultural olympiad is is, is not as aware of the start of a journey but the danger is especially in these stringent times it's a full stop uh, well I've, obviously I hope it isn't yeah. and that's all of our responsibilities not I think um, we've got a big chance this summer we know that we've got uh, the figures vary but 40,000 journalists coming to this country um, just for the summer of 2012. Well, you know, that's, that is an opportunity for those of us that are desperate to get our message and the message of our artists around the world. Um, and of those journalists, half of them don't have the passes to go and see the sport. So they're coming to this country and it's for us to grab them and send them around the country to see some of our wonderful artists. Exactly. Um, so that is a chance, and it's a chance for us to build on. Uh, we, we've got, you know, as, as, um, as Jeremy Hunt and Ed Vasey say, uh, we've got the best chance to advertise the creative industries that we're likely to see in our lifetime. So uh, we need to try and make this a beginning. We're working very hard in the festival to try and build in some legacy. So we've d- d- spent a lot of time working with Rio 2016. We're working with Derry London, Derry City of Culture 2013, so that our programme in 12 begins and helps them with their programme in 13. We're working with Glasgow 2014. um, And as everyone from Scotland knows, there's a three-year plan that starts in 2012 and leads up to 2014. Mm -hmm. So that actually everyone is trying to make 2012 a beginning. um, But in the end, it'll be down to us and how good a job we do. Um, We've got a lot of questions in the blog, but I'm just anxious to make sure that we pick up any questions that are coming from the audience as well. Um, but questions from the blog here. Um, what plans do the Arts Council of England have to mitigate against the negative impact on artists of changing in higher education funding? That is a really huge issue uh, at the moment, Liz. I think it is. And um, I, I do think that it is completely mad to look at the funding of culture as something that you do through the Arts Council for one bit of the thing. Funding culture starts in the very beginning of children's earliest years. It goes on through the funding of arts, of artists, of performance, and it goes on into higher education. It's one long continuum, and it's dotty for a government to look at one bit of it in isolation. I very much hope 
that Ed's marvellous new initiative with finally getting the Department of Education to talk properly to culture is going to actually bear fruit. A question from the man in the third row, yes. Uh, Richard Lee, Chair of Stage Text. Um, I love the fact that everyone on the stage seems to, to, uh, committed to uh, a digital future. There's so much in technology. Um, but will you all commit yourselves as well to making sure that any of the fantastic events that are uh, programmed for 2012 or uh, from Arts Council-funded organisations in the future will be accessible to the 10 million or so people who can't actually hear the words terribly clearly? Um, and I'm talking about captioning and I'm talking about proper surtitling. Will you commit yourselves? Um, a very quick answer from people that actually need to commit themselves. Yes. yes? I think so. I, do, I mean, every single subtitle. However, it is, I must say, the Olympics is the, one of the best opportunities for deaf artists that I think we've seen for a long time. It's a very, very interesting aspect of the, of the Cultural Olympiad. Um, yes, can I have a question here, please? Um, my question is, how, how can I trust organisation wanting to support independent artists, artists inventors? Independent artists, inventors. Yes. How can you trust them? How, how can how can independent how can we trust organisation our organisation wanting to support independent artists or inventors? Um, um I think it's about establishing an, an honest relationship with some of these large venues. Um, I have to say my experience working with Sadler's Wills has been excellent. Um, and I think it's about having people that trust in your vision um, as well as you trust in their motives for working with them. Hey, can I just bring Ruth in on that, please, as well? It's an absolutely vital question because we talk about the arm's length principle mm-hmm. and that's the safety net that is meant to ensure that artists are protected from interference. And it's the job of producers and of arts institutions to precisely to protect the independent artist and to ensure that the artist can develop their work in safety. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that, is, that is a complex issue. You know, that's, that is about honesty and it's about discussions and debate. Um, but it is absolutely fundamental to uh, ensuring that we get... Um, great art. The, the role of the Arts Council, I mean, the, where, where you've actually managed to take the hit is in administration, haven't you? There's been a 50% cut. So the, there's a change in emphasis. You do, you do need people that have these kind of very individual relationships with artists, that there is a relationship that's built up that's about deepening the talent and supporting them rather than even just looking for quick outcomes. And can the Arts Council, in a sense, move towards the longer-term view, the long view? Well, Ed knows that I'm really worried about the implications of the next stage of cuts the Arts Council has got to do, which is to its own administration. I'm all for getting rid of administration, but my worry is that that unless we work this out very carefully, what's going to be threatened is the creative relationship between the Arts Council and artists. Ed said we should do more development. We should talk more about the development that we do. I think that is an absolutely vital part of the Arts Council work. And to some extent that depends on an individual human relationship to establish that trust that, that is necessary. We're going to have to do a lot more of that work, as I hinted, 
through the organisations we work with. And I don't think that's a bad thing. We're not the sole repositories of wisdom. But the, the notion that there is an established relationship of trust between an artist and the organisation that supports them is one that takes time and trouble and people, and you can't really shortcut that. Sally, you want to come in on that? It's exactly that point, that there's an ecology um, that exists, and there are huge numbers of small organisations that take a lot of artistic risk, actually. They're the ones that take the first commission with artists, they're the people that first go and see their work, they're the ones that invest a huge amount of resource and time working very, very closely with artists. So we've got to be really careful to protect that ecology and look after those small organisations as well that work you know, really on the ground. Because actually what we're celebrating and what we're able to showcase in 2012 wouldn't be there without those organisations. And we can't forget that. And I think the Arts Council um, and wider society can't forget that role that small organisations play. Yeah. I think it's... it's I mean, I think it's interesting because, Ed, basically, the, the whole role of development, you see the Arts Council moving to that, that they work over the long term with artists, this idea they are both nurturing and nourishing artists, and you have to have these relationships. And Liz seems to be saying that there is an issue about how much of that the Arts Council is going to be able to do. It, it, well, I mean, the, obviously, Liz, Liz talks to me about uh, the issue about uh, the administrative savings, and uh, we have a discussion. We have a human... Uh, relationship uh, based on trust uh, and uh, I you know, pay tribute to what the Arts Council has achieved certainly since we've been in government. I think uh, if you look at where the Arts Council is today in terms of perhaps how this audience perceives it and how it might have been perceived say four or five years ago I think it's in a very very different place and I think it's a vote of confidence in the Arts Council that uh, for example they're taking over responsibility for libraries and uh, as I said in my speech sitting at the centre of music education and, I hope, our cultural education plan uh, as well. So, obviously, we have to have uh, a dialogue about as and when uh, things become, oh. may or may not become sticky. But, well, uh, oh, let's just pick, it, pick up David. Oh, but in terms you, of development, I mean, what, what, what I want to say about development is I think that the Arts Council can be a, kind of, can be a broker. It doesn't have to do mm. it all. But I just find that bringing people together, it, it is as, although it sounds facile and perhaps trite, it, it constantly astonishes me how bringing people together makes such a difference. You know, people you assume have had conversations before have never had conversations. And I, what I feel strongly about is every time I go and see an arts organisation and talk to them about what they're doing, they're normally doing something incredibly innovative or something very successful. And I always ask, you know, how are you sharing this with people? And they're not. And that's, you know, it may sound very, very boring. But that's the kind of thing, because I think it will inspire people and enthuse people uh, if they uh, can see how uh, organisations are... Uh, you know, dealing with certain issues and sharing their expertise. Well, this is exactly why conferences like this, actually, what happens in, uh, when people are outside for coffee together, mm. actually, probably is as valuable as what happens in here. Now the hands are flying up. Now you're coming on with eight minutes to go. So what I'm going to do... Extend it. Uh, great! Are you able to stay? Yeah, of course. Cool. OK, we're going to move things... Well, they may not want me to stay. Well, what happened... <laughs> just, just to explain was that the Lowry hadn't worked out there were going to be 600 people here with luggage, and that's why we started 50 minutes earlier. So what I'm going to do is just a quick radical decision. We'll go on for 10 minutes later. Is that OK? Till 10 past 11. Right. Lots of hands up. You've been very patient. Uh, David Brownlee from the Theatrical Management Association. Uh, picking up on the Minister's comments about the importance of the DCMS influencing other departments, I was wondering how things were going with the communities and local government departments, particularly given uh, in your initial speech and you were uh, saying sources of funding, local government funding wasn't in your list of key funding sources for the arts. 
Uh, well, first of all, I'll answer your question. If you tell me, when are the Theatrical Management Awards? Because uh, I went on your website last week and couldn't find out the date of your awards this See, year. It's always a trade. Important. It's always a trade. Very important to me. You've got, got to keep the website up to date. Uh, <laughs> the um, communities and local government, you know, we know, we know where we are uh, in the sense that, you know, they've had to make the same uh, decisions as every other government department has had in terms of uh, how much it can give to local authorities to fund uh, all the activities they do across the piece. And I've got uh, the issue of libraries very much on my uh, desk at the moment, and their uh, cultural uh, support for culture is also uh, an issue. And there are very forward-thinking councils uh, that put it front and centre, and there are others that perhaps uh, feel that the arts, art, local arts organisations can uh, support themselves. I always say, when I'm asked this question, I, I'm obviously asked it a lot, that there's, there's also a, a deeper conversation to have uh, if we are kind of doing the Valentine's Day relationship theme, which is, uh, although it's a bit late to say it now, it's about engaging with your local authority and ensuring that uh, you know, somewhere in, in Manchester and Salford, I don't think uh, they are necessarily facing the same difficulties. I won't go into over much detail, but because I think there's such a strong relationship particularly with Manchester City Council and the cultural organisations, such a profound understanding of what culture brings to the city. But that doesn't exist everywhere. But that, that is also something that all of us have to work at in terms of having those kind of conversations and uh, uh, creating that understanding. Uh, yes, oh, there are lots of hands up. Can I take you, please? And then can I have uh, the guy with the great beard up there? I haven't heard when the theatrical manager... Oh, yeah, yeah your website. You when when, when are the it. awards? What, just... What's the date of the awards? No, oh, it's a secret. It's an organisation not saying when the date of its awards is. <laughs> OK, question here and then question up there, please. Yeah, I'd just like to go back to some of the earlier framing of, uh, of today in terms of this taking place at a time of austerity, which for many people uh, is synonymous with greater inequality. And I think that there's a mirror of that inequality which is taking place within the arts uh, for many artists and arts groups. Um, and I think I've heard very little uh, from, you know, from what I've heard so far, really, um, about looking at what can be done, uh, what response the arts structures may have to that kind of inequality that's going on at the moment. So, um, you know, I'd like to hear some people say, talk a little bit about, particularly in terms of access to the arts uh, and also access to expression through the arts, as well. Uh, so I'd like just to get some, yeah. a few responses to that and also why have, have I heard so little about it given that that was one of the key bits of framing uh, for the well, day. I'll ask Ruth first and then David. Ruth. Um, uh, my, my fault, I should have said something earlier uh, about, um, again, I'm sorry I'm, I'm here <laughs> plugging London 2012 but um, that's my job and I'm proud to do it actually. I think another of the chances we have this year is that um, we have the chance to speak to communities who don't necessarily come to our doors. Uh, we are offering in our festival programme 10 million free opportunities. So 10 million, some of them are ticketed, some of them are unticketed, but 10 million chances to come and see a piece of art uh, for free, which in these times feels like a really good thing to do to, to try and reach out to people who maybe are not our normal suspects. But also we've got access to everyone who signed up on the London 2012 website. That's six million email addresses now. And they also, I think, are not the people that sign up on 
arts organisations' websites necessarily from our research. I think that is a really great chance for us to make some new friends um, and to amaze and surprise and provoke new audiences. Uh, That's half the answer. The other half, of course, is about how we sustain the emerging artist. Um, And that is absolutely critical to to making the most of the opportunity. Um, And that, I'm sorry, isn't... I mean, it's my job to start it off. It isn't my job yet to ensure that we deliver it. But for me, all my life has been about trying to find, nurture and work with and encourage emerging artists. So it's at the heart. We're not allowed to be grumpy today, but it, it, is, worth, uh, <coughs> it is worth making a point. You can be point. as grumpy as you want. Good. I'll start now. Um, <laughs> it, you know, uh, uh, and choices. Um, it is worth saying, is it not, that, uh, you know, however much unjoined up we, we, we may, or not, uh, may or not be, uh, you know, out of London, <coughs> most large organisations are hit with a double whammy, which London organisations mm. are not. Uh, Birmingham Rep, where I come from, 11% real cut, like everybody else, but also a 17% cut from the local authority, and that's not a situation which the National Theatre and, 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 and the Royal Court and the Royal Opera House and so on are in. And I think it's also, also j- just again, if we're being grumpy, worth saying that the increase in the amount of money on the Olympic opening ceremonies, the increase is double the amount of money which would it cost to reinstate all the 206 uh, organisations that were cut last March, uh, 100%. Um, and they will, be, you know, they will be very wonderful events and window on the world and all of that. But, but, but choices have been made, and they're very difficult choices, and I'm very aware of, 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 uh, of the companies that are, that are no longer there. Uh, let's just put that straight back to Ruth and then Ed Vasey as well. O- on that question, that all that, all the, what you were talking was, that the, the, the work that's done over the next two or three years, all the seeds of that are in you know, regional companies, in-town companies and so forth. If you don't have them, you're not going to have the next generation that are going to come and put on the war horses and everything else. No, and that's absolutely right. And it is a choice. It's a complicated choice. So the choice to um, increase the budget of the opening and closing ceremonies is made by central government. The choice of how you implement cuts of the Arts Council are made by the Arts Council. But I think what is really important is the opening ceremonies had a smaller budget than any opening ceremonies in the last 20 years. So we do need to have good opening ceremonies. We really do. We are in terrible times, but... If we have chosen and won the Olympics and we've got the chance where between one and three billion people are going to watch the opening ceremonies, for goodness sake, we all of us work in the arts. We want to make sure that Stephen Daudry and Danny Boyle have a chance to show us off to our best advantage and it is our best advantage. Ed Vizzi, was it the right choice? Uh, well, obviously I'm going to say yes. But then you're going to justify it. <laughs> well, I think so. it's, a, it's a one-off opportunity, so we'll never get this opportunity again. I think we want to do it properly, and I think you know, the, the request came from the people doing the ceremony, and they justified that request for funding, and I don't think they would have come to us lightly uh, as they said, oh, you know, can we have a few extra million, because we feel like it. They obviously wanted to, want to do something with that, and I think it will have a huge uh, and important impact. And again, I don't think, uh, pick up the baton that David threw down, as it were, the gauntlet, uh, I don't think arts funding is about necessarily... I think, however generous 
the funding environment was, I would expect and hope that the Arts Council would always make choices about the arts organisation or arts organisations that it funds. And I think one of the reasons that I said earlier that I think the Arts Council is now, I think, held in the highest regard is because the process they went through wasn't simply a process of implementing cuts. It was a process of uh, looking at what they were funding and looking at it very carefully and making tough choices. And some of those choices were obviously driven by a reduced funding environment, but also some of those choices were based on what Liz was referring to earlier, the expertise that exists uh, in the Arts Council. And I would expect, therefore, an Arts Council of the future, generously funded when good times return, still to have to and want to make those choices. Because I think that's so an a, Arts that's Council generously funded when the good times return, is we that hope, a commitment? We hope, well, I, I probably won't be here by then, will I? Well, I don't know. <laughs> Depends how quickly the good times return. But it, it wasn't a good thing. I mean, there's a terrible tendency then to say, actually, those 206 organisations mm. are a good thing. Well, I'm not going to go through them all, but, you know, Foresight Theatre in Wolverhampton closing is not a good thing. Mm. Northwest Playwrights no longer being financed by the Arts Council is not a good thing. You know, choices, necessities, uh, other options, balances. But, well, I mean, we, we mustn't get into a situation where we think this is somehow the greatest thing that's ever happened to the arts, because it isn't. Um, no, but we mustn't also... We, I, I, wanted to, I wanted to start a row, Kirsty, because I thought it was all being... It was far too co cosy earlier on. I, I don't think... Nor should I think we live in a world where once you're on the Arts Council's payroll, that's it. No, mm. I, th there are issues, actually. I, I'm rather defensive of, of, of the, some of the unpopular, non-sort of direct relationship with artist things that the, the Arts Council does. Uh, I think, wasn't it... You might be able to tell me this. There was some crucial government statistical cut which is reputed to have led to the early 90s crash, that they, they stopped counting certain statistics under mm. Nigel Lawson, and, 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 and that led to a terrible financial disaster. There are things the Arts Council no longer measures or no longer mm. uh, collates, like the information about who goes to the theatre, in what places, and how many people attend the shows and repertoire and so on, which I've been bashing on about, that the Arts Council will continue to collect these statistics. It doesn't anymore. So the Arts Council is living, to a certain extent, uh, flying blind, about the kind, the kind of things that it finances. Are you saying yeah. really I, I, boring I, I, bureaucratic things are actually quite important? Yeah, I think that I, I, this, this, this evaluation, I mean, we've got a lot of hands up, but this idea that... I know is when Harold Wilson bought what, yeah, well, two jumbo jets yeah, yeah, before yeah. the election. Uh, Liz Forgan, <laughs> why is the story. Arts Council not <laughs> making uh, a, clear, uh, a clear list of who's going where and what matters uh, in terms of audience? collects the most unbelievable quantity of data. But not what David wants you to collect. And doesn't use it all. At all creatively. I think one of the tasks, I mean, one of the, one of the real, actually, I mean, David is very challenging and he's right. One of the things about an economic crisis is that it forces you to look at priorities and at how you're really spending your money. And I think we spend too much money on a kind of universal approach to data collection and not a targeted enough I want to get closer to the odds, but Liz, um, a truth drug here. Would you have spent that money on the Olympic uh, opening ceremony? Oh, not my, not above my pay grade. <laughs> Ask Ruth. That's what I always say when I can't answer the question. <laughs> but you're a dame. <laughs> right, too many hands up. What I want to do is, uh, literally, if you've got a microphone, I'd rather make sure this gets on the stream. I want to take questions one after the other so we get that. Gentleman with the yellow um, scarf, yes. Try more money for futures. Let's keep a focus on what we're actually talking about, which is actually a process of humanising 
and you've talked, Ed, about the difficulty of connecting and humanising between departments. Please let's keep that in focus, whether it's the Olympics or whatever, because there's before the arts, after the arts, and within the arts. And we're all artists, whether we're administrators, financiers, or creatives. Okay, question, and a, a point, rather. Pick up your point, please. Um, there's a whole thing about how we use data and that big question. I think there's so many options for how you use that data that exist right now in current technology. You can download an app and input lots of numbers and you will get a very creative output as an expression of what that data means. I also think the whole thing about technology and the idea that we're not sure that it's a convincing way of exploring um, a live event. We need to look at the music industry and just accept that it's another way of consuming a live event. You can download it, you can see it live, and it's just allowing more people to engage with it. Okay, two, two people, both with their hands up. Just hand the microphone to each of you, please. Um, Boston Williams, poet and MC. This is slightly different. Um, as a young person and artist, my concern is not necessarily the performance side of the industry. Um, sometimes I believe you just have to go out there and make those opportunities for yourself. However, in regards to the business side of things, you know, what access to jobs for young people are there, especially those from the working class backgrounds? Thank you very much. We'll pick up that point in a minute. Yes. Yeah, I'm at Boston today in the long queue for uh, putting our bags in, didn't I, Boston? Yeah. And, um, you know, he's one of the 50 artists who got a bursary to come here today. Um, you know, there's, what I want to talk about is the fact that the work that we've all been doing, you know, in, in my field, young people's music making over the last 10 years has, has enabled so many young people to have a voice to, 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 to talk about what ma matters to them and what I'm afraid about, what I'm afraid of is that we're going to lose so much of this fantastic, fantastic work that, we sh yes, we should all be proud of that we do. We mustn't lose it, you know. And, and I, you know, there's, there's young people living out on council estates now. What's going to happen to the voiceless in these lovely, cosy debates we're having? Right, well, I'm going to pick up on that, but I just want there's a man who has his hand up at the back for the last 10 minutes. Can I take your point, and then I'll come back to the panel? Uh, Adrian Lockhead, I'm the uh, director of Eden Arts. The, I'm, I'm the director of Eden Arts. Um, Ed, you've been up to visit us in Cumbria. Um, in Rory Stewart's constituency with the Rural Broadband Campaign. I'd ask you to do something practical, Ed. I constantly am trying to make the, make the case with local councillors, and they just don't get it. Um, you seem to. You're, you're saying that, saying that uh, you agree uh, that the arts are fundamental. Local councillors ask me, why should we fund the arts rather than fill potholes in, in the road? Um, will you write to them and tell them why? Well, it's a direct question, and then I'll pick up yours. Well, I can't, I can't resist a challenge. Good. Well, well, we expect to see that in the local paper next week then. Right. <laughs> Let's just pick up on this point. That for, for young people particularly who can't get jobs, can't eat, can't get rent, can't get a place to stay without a job, how do you deal with that? In these, what, what, where can the Arts Council particularly help young people, even with bursaries, to make sure they can actually put food on their tables? Well, one of the... 
I think some of the most interesting work that's been going on for a while, you refer to it, is work with young people who want to be entrepreneurs, particularly in the music business. The Roundhouse, Marcus was telling me yesterday about a, a scheme that I was talking to someone at Ingenious Media the other day, all over the place, there are really interesting initiatives to help young people who don't want to work necessarily in big institutions. They want to work for themselves. They want to make their music and profit from it. And that takes a range of skills that we need young people to have access to. And I think that that idea is spreading, and I think some really good work is going on. I think it's very important. And, and young people's training schemes, Ed, I mean, there should be more done. I mean, obviously, we've lost the EMA, and let's not maybe rehearse that argument again, but making sure that young people have the training that they need in order to progress well, their I think, own art. I mean, Creative and Cultural Skills announced last week their thousandth apprentice. Uh, so uh, that we've got the largest apprenticeship training scheme we've had in this country for about 40 years. So there is a lot of work being done. But again, you asked about my frustration earlier, but also my dull, prosaic mind is, is about collecting all this information. I mean, I know the Roundhouse and, uh, and the work that they do, but there's a lot of activity going on. Uh, and again, I think there's an important job to be done to make sure that we, we know where it's all happening because people need to be guided. They need to know something is happening before they can take advantage of it. But Sally. I'm delighted that uh, certainly apprentices are, are now uh, moving rapidly up the agenda of the National Apprenticeship Service, so that's good. Great yeah. industry it's a real shame that things like future jobs funds have been scrapped, mm -hmm. actually, because they were great access for young people to get into arts organisations. Um, there's also great organisations like Ministry Stories, Contact Theatre in Manchester, that have... Um, young people at the heart of their organisation. So artists, you know, young people and artists on boards of organisations mm -hmm. so that they can really influence. So that, you, you know, that thinking at the governance level can trickle down and influence the way in which the organisations mm -hmm. operate. That's really fundamental. So, you know, great work done by you know, a couple of young, young people's focused organisations that work I think there's also a need to acknowledge that there are loads of young artists. And ever since this austerity um, time period has come, in my sector, I've seen the artists double. Mm. So for me, I think the main concern is getting training um, people within this environment to be managers and be producers of these hundreds of artists that are being created within particularly the hip-hop world. Mm. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm afraid we've done 10 minutes over and we have to let the panel go. We have to move the conversation on. Uh, but before we finish, just a riposte uh, to Ed Vesey from uh, a, a tweet. Uh, Ed's blog has not been updated since 2010. So you better practice what you preach. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, please thank our panel. Go swiftly from coffee into your session. Thank you very much. This podcast is produced by Arts Council England. For more content like this, visit artscouncil.org.uk or soundcloud.com forward slash Arts Council England.